More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome back in. Hour number two, holiday edition, President's Day. I hope all of you are having a fantastic start to your weeks, especially if you got to use this day as a vacation day. We are down in Palm Beach tomorrow. We will be live from Mar-a-Lago with President Trump right off the top of the show. And I guarantee you one of the things that we're going to be talking about him with is everything going on in Canada right now. And Buck, throughout the entirety of the weekend, the amount of force brought to bear on truly peaceful protesters who were actually not creating any substantial threat to anyone was off the charts. And there's a couple of things that to me are terribly frustrating and also create a great deal of fear going forward. And that is, first of all, they have seized so many different bank accounts, millions of dollars in bank accounts based on people donating to the Canadian trucker protest. This is an unprecedented overreach of power that has been embarked upon by Trudeau under his emergency powers acts that he undertook. And the second part of this is, Trudeau had two options to me, Buck. Really, two options here at its essence. He could do what a lot of Democratic governors have done. Look at the data coming out on COVID and make a decision to eliminate masks and vaccine mandates and claim victory, even though many of us out there who have been watching this data know that it didn't actually occur that all of these restrictions led to COVID disappearing. Okay, so... That in and of itself was one option. And that's the option that honestly is kind of a rational option, even if you don't want to admit you were wrong. He chose the other option. Rather than relent and start to dial back all sorts of issues in Canada, and by the way, United Kingdom, uh, Boris Johnson is coming out in the near future here and effectively announcing all COVID restrictions are over, even though, by the way, 95-year-old Queen, who we, uh, of course wish well is evidently doing fine with covid in in england right now handling light duty yes still actually working even while she has covid and the other option he had so he could have been rational the other option was crush this protest like a totalitarian dictator and he took the second option here and he's even now i believe we have audio of this buck even now he's not saying it's over they're going to treat these protesters like it's January 6th and follow them to the ends of the earth. Listen to this. As I said, the Emergencies Act is not something to undertake lightly. And it's something that needs to be momentary, temporary, and proportional. That's why every single day I'm receiving briefings and we are reflecting on how much longer the Emergencies Act needs to be in place. We don't want to keep it in place a single day longer than necessary. But even though 
the blockades are lifted uh, across border uh, openings right now, uh, even though uh, things seem to be resolving very well in Ottawa, this state of emergency is not over. Uh, there continues to be real concerns uh, about the coming days, uh, but we will continue to evaluate every single day uh, whether or not uh, it is uh, time and we are able to lift this state of emergency. He is the absolute worst. Just start with that. I mean, I think you could make a very strong case that he's the worst politician in, in North America right now. And and I mean that based on his character and and on what has happened as a result of his decision making, any his or her, any any politician across North America. He's he's an absolute uh, joke to anybody who thinks that Canada is a place that values liberty and, and freedom at any level. Justin Trudeau has really made that look like a farce. Beyond that, though, Clay, you, when you, you see what's happened here, there are far reaching implications of this kind of decision. You have seen the mobilization of a of a Western democracy and really, really our closest ally. I mean, a, almost an adjunct state, America Junior, whatever you want to call it. America's top hat. Yeah. yeah. You, you have seen a a mobilization of what is effectively either counter, you could say counterinsurgency or counterinsurrection powers of the state to suppress a peaceful political protest. Now, People will remember that it wasn't long ago that there were actual in this country, not really in Canada so much, but in this country, there were riots, ongoing riots causing disorder, destruction. They tried to burn down a church across from the White House. Right. I mean, we remember what was going on. They're pulling down statues. They were destroying neighborhoods, burning down police stations, trying to burn down a federal courthouse in Portland. And the apparatus of the left was furious with. The notion, furious with the notion that Trump was sending in any additional law enforcement resources or anything. That was that was thuggery. Those were, you know, jackbooted fascists going into Portland or D.C. or wherever. And now look what Trudeau has done. I mean, Clay, they sent guys in full on head to toe tactical gear with long guns to pull guys out of trucks who had spent the last few days handing out, you know, sandwiches and playing ice hockey in the streets and saying, can we go back to our normal lives? The mobilization of a state of emergency in Canada to break a peaceful protest that is a righteous protest with demands that should be clear to everybody as the way forward is something that I think we ha- we're going to unfortunately be dealing with the ramifications of for a long time. You think they're only going to use it against the truckers? Anytime now there's a protest that seems to come from the right, they may decide, oh, this is look at the stuff they said, neo-Nazis. Trumpist insurrection. They lied about the movement in order to justify what they did against the movement. It, it, it is. I I don't want to say that America did well with COVID because we certainly didn't. But if you look at New Zealand and you look at Australia and you look at Canada, three countries that I think most Americans pre COVID would have characterized as relatively uh, easygoing, relatively moderate in the in the politics and the perspectives that they adopt they all three lost their mind frankly in a way we did not and i think to a large extent that is because of our federalism because we had governors in particular ron DeSantis, who were willing to look at the data and take risks and while that might have upset the blue check brigade out there what it did was it encouraged the other side of the country and so we had less of a pervasive anger in the United States compared to, I right. think, what happened in Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. They kind of leavened it by, based on federalism. This is why the discussion, you're totally right. I think you said this a couple of weeks ago, and, and I've, I've shared this with other folks, too, attributing it to you, of course. But uh, that where where was the American trucker protest for the most part? Well, the, the truckers who live in Texas and the truckers who live in Tennessee That's and right. Florida and the Dakotas and, you know, Montana and Wyoming, they're like, we're kind of okay, you know. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we we they haven't been put through the same degree of of what you've seen in Canada. And I mean, as for those other states you mentioned, really the what we used to call the Anglosphere, although people don't just for the English speaking nature of it, the U.S., Canada, New Zealand, Australia, Great Britain, uh, there was a madness that COVID unleashed, a, a really a mass hysteria, and I do think that it was very much 
it, it correlated with the degree of socialism in those countries. We had thought of socialists in the past as, oh, they just want free health care. And well, but there's also a mentality. Socialists believe in effectively creating a religion of the state and that if you just give them enough authority and power, they will create a de facto utopia. And that means that also in the event of an emergency, the same people that believe the government can create perfection think the government is in a perfect position to deal with, a you know, deal with a threat like this. But you just have to give it all the authority that it wants. So I think that's why you saw countries, you know, I do like Australia as East Germany with koalas. And that started to catch on a little bit because I think it's true. Um, you saw people recognizing that the socialist mindset in times of duress lends itself all of a sudden the benevolent authoritarianism of a big government socialist state doesn't feel so benevolent anymore. And what's interesting is England today is effectively ending all restrictions. Australia has now opened back up for tourists. New Zealand is acknowledging that zero COVID is no longer a reality. And I believe we were talking about during commercial breaks, their COVID cases have now surged 24,000% or something such as that when they stopped being able to isolate themselves and keep everyone else from coming in the country. And even with Biden as a disastrous leader, I feel in many ways, as if you compare us to all of those other countries that we would ordinarily have considered to be our peer group, that things have gone better than we could have hoped relative to places like Florida. And by the way, we got breaking news that's going to be coming any moment as we are talking to you. Uh, Vladimir Putin is going to be making an announcement about Ukraine on Russian television. And reports are we're looking at Fox News right now that Putin is going to declare eastern Ukraine independent. Uh, exactly which, what we just talked about. Yeah. Luhansk and Donetsk, they're going to say the separatist regions are now effectively part of Russia. They're going to dare the Ukrainian government to do anything. Now, this is analysis. That's not the breaking news, but we're analyzing. You know what? We'll come back into this in a second because we're going to need more time on it. But the headline right now up on Fox News, Putin to declare eastern Ukraine independent is exactly what we were expecting here we talked about it in the last hour of the show we'll bring you up to speed on that one but uh, i can tell you this if putin's supposed to make an announcement any moment and that is also uh that is also supposed to be reported on shortly here he's not saying it's peace he's not saying it's peace in our time friends that's for sure we'll talk more about this in a second we could be at the beginning of war in europe look we have a uh, good time talking about legacy box here on the show um and you know, it's an amazing thing that you can do for your family. This company provides you the easiest way to preserve and restore your family memories locked away on old videos and family films. They ship you an actual box. They, I did this. It's so easy. They send you just a, a box, really. You fill it full of all the tapes and film you stored away over the years. You just put it in there. You don't have to, you know, put it in plastic baggies and do all kinds of little post-it notes. VHS tapes, though, camcorder tapes, 8-millimeter film pictures. Their team then professionally digitizes all the media you've got there by hand at their 100,000-square-foot production campus in Tennessee. You get everything back, as is, plus a link to a stored file in the cloud with all your movies and pictures on it, as well as a computer thumb drive or DVD. Here's the great news on their fantastic pricing. For a limited time, Legacy Box is running a $9 videotape sale. It's regularly $27 to $30. There's never been a better time to convert your entire collection. They've done this for nearly a million and a half families. You can trust them to take care of your cherished family memories, too. Get started for just $9 a tape. At this special price, there's never been a better time to convert your entire collection. Visit LegacyBox.com slash buck. Again, that website is LegacyBox.com slash buck to shop their $9 tape sale. That's LegacyBox.com slash buck to unlock their fir this first-time offer on radio. Welcome back to Clay and Buck Show. We do have this breaking news about the situation in Ukraine right now. Putin has declared eastern Ukrainian breakaway provinces of, of Luhansk and Donetsk to be, this is known often uh, referred to as the Donbass region of eastern Ukraine. Uh, this The declaration here is that they are independent and the assumption that goes along with this would be and now effectively part of Russia. So in much the same way as there was a referendum in Crimea to make it a part of the Russian Federation. And then there was this in this military incursion by Russia into this 
uh, part of Ukraine back in 2014. They created a beachhead there for what is now the official declaration of this uh, independence of these East, Eastern Ukrainian um, breakaway statelets. Now, look, it's even the language you use here, you'll see it, it all goes to the Russian Maskarovka, the war through deception uh, component of this. They want us to be talking about these breakaway. This is Russia seizing parts of Ukrainian territory effectively. That's what's going on. According to Russian TV, Putin has declared Eastern Ukraine independent, and he has also told his plan to EU leaders. We don't have more details on that yet. We will. But, Clay, here's what I think is happening right now. So we've told the headlines, and now the the next steps are, let's say they just leave it at, at, we'll call it the Donbass, Eastern Ukraine. If they just have this now as part of Russia, the Russian military uh, the Russian military situation around Ukrainian borders is such that they could still deal some kind of a knockout blow to the Ukrainian military if they choose to do so. So this may essentially be a provocation to get some kind of response from the Ukrainian government, because let's say Ukrainian military goes into Donbass and says these are not this is this doesn't fly. Then the Russians go in and say, you're attacking Russian speakers. You're not, you know, you're violating their sovereignty. And it just becomes this big mess of lies. That's one possibility. The other possibility is the Russians don't even wait for that kind of a movement from the Ukrainian government. Create a false flag inside of, and we're talking about the Russians, by the way, they do do false flags. That's not, this is not conspiracy stuff. Um, they've done false flags in Chechnya. They do false flags. Uh, tr- uh, but Clay, I-, I think that's another possibility where they'll act like they are just waiting and they just want these regions. And then if there's some kind of a conflagration, they say, oh, we- they forced our hand. And the question that will be out there is how long does this form if if Ukraine is going to accede in some way to the loss of this territory? And they have been fighting there since like 2014. Right. So, yep. I mean, this has been a uh, tumultuous region, to say the least, already. To what extent does this end this story? How long does this will he or won't he element of the Ukrainian invasion continue in the wake of this? If, again, Putin is going to declare Eastern Ukraine independent, theoretically, then all of Eastern Ukraine becomes a part of Russia. If that occurs are we talking about this border region continuing to be on tenterhooks for years to come or does this dial back the tension here and lead to a resolution for both sides in some form or fashion think about what we would see let's assume that it stops more or less here and that the Donbass or something roughly analogous to the Donbass, which is really the eastern and eastern region of Ukraine, obviously all along the Russian border. Clay, they could just say Putin could say, this is it. Let's leave it here. And what he would have is essentially in, in the in the eyes of not just Putin, the Kremlin and the people support him uh, from within the military complex there. But from his supporters inside of Russia, he will have stared down NATO and taken a chunk of lost territory without really any, I mean, there's been some shelling and minor. No significant uh, loss no, of no life or material. He will just have said, I am Putin, hear me, you know, hear me or else, and taken off a big chunk of Ukraine without having to actually even go to war. That I think where we, where we are right now is, is he will, is that actually sufficient? Well, yeah. I think, and, and for a lot of people out there, how would the Biden administration respond to this? They probably would let Russia, in theory, take this small region of eastern Ukraine and then hope that this thing just goes away. Yeah. I mean, right? I mean, because the of last course. thing they want is this yeah, they'll to put, linger. They'll put, maybe they'll put some sanctions on it and things like that. It does remind me, for those who remember the great uh, Tom Clancy in uh, Dead of Honor. If I recall, the whole point is that the Japanese and an imperial Japanese resurgent right wing uh, Japanese military strike to take back lost territory from World War Two. And their whole thing is where they're going to take it so fast, Clay, that why fight over it once it's been taken? And it reminds me a little bit of what's going on here. Why? Why? It's already done, guys. Why fight over this with us? That's the idea. Of the well, and then the yeah. other thing you have to worry about is the precedent that's being set on Taiwan, because China certainly is watching this closely to see how we respond in this situation. One hundred percent. 
Mike Lindell, he invented my pillow, folks. He is a great American, an entrepreneur, and his products are phenomenal. Okay, you've got to try these slippers. The one th- I'm mad at myself. I didn't bring my slippers on the road with me down here to Florida, but I've got them sitting right by my bed at home. They're amazing. They're so comfortable. Clay loves them. They've got cushioning on them, impact gel. They make your feet feel great. Mrs. Travis has them. Get yourself some of these slippers. 50% off right now. Go to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener specials. Use promo code Clay and Buck. That's MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener specials. 50% off the My Slippers. Go get a pair right now. The missus will love them. The husband will love them. Go check them out. Use promo code Clay and Buck. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back into the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. Thanks for being with us here. Putin is speaking right now on Ukraine. They're calling it tensions up on Fox News. Here is the situation, just to bring everybody up to speed, uh, as we are seeing this in real time, too. Uh, Putin is talking right now about the area of eastern Ukraine that has been the site of Russian incursion, invasion, and the creation of two separatist, non-recognized separatist republics of Luhansk and Donetsk. This area uh, in the eastern part of Ukraine, the far eastern part of Ukraine, is known as the Donbass. And right now, uh, we're hearing from Vladimir Putin, as it seems he is declaring independence of these regions. Now, this is a much lesser right now escalation than what was perhaps thought would be happening if the if we had the opening of hostilities, given the size of the Russian military force arrayed along Ukraine's borders. That doesn't mean that this won't escalate very rapidly, though. What will the Ukrainian government do in response? Uh, Clay, there is a very real chance as we see this unfolding that Putin essentially created a a situation where this will look like, remember, there was all this talk about by putting all of the soldiers 
uh, putting all the military assets in place. Maybe it was a head fake to get concessions. Well, maybe he put them all in place because the head fake, in a sense, is a massive invasion when the actual desire is to just take this eastern portion. And it will seem to everybody like, well, at least this didn't turn into open conflict and warfare the way that we thought. So this may defang again. This is we don't know yet. We don't know what their future plans are. But as it stands right now, this could be a move by Putin to outmaneuver and outplay the European and American response, because if it's not open war, if it's just the declaration of this official recognition and the Ukrainian government doesn't move against them and the Russians don't escalate, then this becomes a de facto reality in the ground. They've been giving out Russian passports in this region for weeks already. So they're creating a reality on the ground of these are Russian speakers and Russian citizens, and we leave it there. That's and, what could be happening. And to be fair, a lot of these people might well prefer to be Russian, right, in the border region. I mean, something like 85% consider themselves to be of Russian ethnic origin as opposed to Ukrainian. And so if he has been selling the idea of I'm going to take over the whole country and provoking all of this uh, all of this fear that this was going to spiral into something far larger. And then ultimately, this is the price to pay. I mean, really, the question is, well, how is Ukraine going to respond now? Right. Do they have any recourse here? Because I can't imagine that they are very appreciative on having part of this uh, part of this of their territory just taken away. And the question is, is this going to be enough or is this a prelude to something more significant going forward? But again, as we are, uh, as we are watching, we'll eventually have official translation of this, but Putin has been declaring independence for parts of Ukraine. And we need to check and see. The other thing I was going to check, Buck, is what is the reaction of the stock market in general? Because initially, on reports of this potentially occurring, the obviously the stock market is closed today uh, for President's Day, I believe. Um, but the futures on the stock market had declined pretty precipitously in the last hour or so as people became aware of what might be taking place. So there is something of a of a a playbook for this. The Russians have run this before. At the very end of the Bush administration, so you're going back to now, I think, what was it, August 2008, um, you had this this escalation uh, that in a region of Georgia, uh, the country of Georgia, where you had breakaway republics of uh, South Ossetia and Abkhazia. And the Russians did, it was very similar. There was some shelling and some, we need to step in here to protect the Russian speakers in the region. And you had these little breakaway republics. And keep in mind that the Russians effectively got their way and got away with this. This is what actually ended up, uh, this is, this was from their perspective a success. So it is not really surprising that there is a similar campaign going on here or a similar uh, play, it seems, being made. As Putin is officially declaring now, as he said, as Fox is translating this, uh, you know, the Western news outlets are translating this in real time. Uh, Putin is declared and he says that Ukraine has always been a part of Russia, that these eastern regions are now independent. Luhansk and Donetsk. Um, fascinating, Clay. There there has been some reporting on in the past who were at who were some of the top officials of these non-recognized now recognized by Vladimir Putin, of course, breakaway republics. There was actually a dog catcher and a former mall Santa that were running the governments in essence or at the very top of the governments of these breakaway republics. The point here being the Russians are running them. They just found local people to pretend to be the uh, the Russian puppets, if you will, and, and try to get all of this set up for what we're seeing right now. Do you believe this lessens or increases tension going forward based on this news? happening literally as we are talking at this moment is it your indication of because i'm looking at the stock market the stock market is down around two percent the nasdaq is uh the dow is down a little bit over a percent obviously that's not those aren't monster moves but it suggests discomfort with what's going on so you could look at what did we do in response to crimea 
What do we do in response to Abkhazia and South Ossetia? What do we do in response to the initial incursion in eastern Ukraine? Some sanctions, some... What did we do? Was there... When I say we, by the way, let's refer to... I don't just mean America. I mean NATO, Europe, the West. Not a whole lot, Clay. If it stops here, if it stops here, yeah, there'll be sanctions, there'll be diplomatic wrangling, but Putin gets this part of Ukraine back for the Russian Federation without actually having to fight which is a huge win for him. So what what are what are the responses going to be here? Diplomatic and sanctions, that's it. Obviously no one's suggesting right now in this country or NATO is going to go in and do anything about these breakaway republics. If they leave it here, Putin might walk away with a win. But then the question is what how if, long lasting how is that long win? does that last? What's the next stop? Is he you know is the alligator going to want to bite off more of Ukraine next? That's the problem, or the Russian bear, as the case may be. That that's the question that we'll be faced with. But if he if it stops right here, man, this might be Putin outplaying his Western counterparts and getting his way, like a a uh, cunning thug. We'll have to see. We got Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul, joining us here in a few minutes. We'll ask him about this, by the way, because Senator Rand Paul is always a sound mind on foreign policy matters. What's going on in Ukraine as he sees it? Plus the CDC and Fauci. You know that's going to be fun. Stick around for it. Still going strong here. Third hour of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show. And we have the big breaking news from on the other side of the world here. Ukraine now has two breakaway republics that Russia is recognizing as independent. So the situation there continuing to heat up. We've also got our friend Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky with us now to talk about this as well as COVID, the CDC and all the rest of it. Senator Paul, we always appreciate you making time for us. Thanks for having me, guys. Like, let's just start with what do you think happens now in Ukraine? We just had Putin giving his address. He said Ukraine is historically part of Russia. He is recognizing these uh, self-declared independent regions of effectively the Donbass area of eastern Ukraine as well, independent really being a part of Russia in this context. So what do you think happens here, Senator Paul? What do you see going on? You know, I think it's the same recipe as what they did in Georgia. If they quickly move in and occupy that part of the, of Ukraine, it's difficult probably to conceive of anybody dislodging them. I think the, uh, the bitterness and the civil war that will ensue that won't end quickly. Um, I think Ukraine is more formidable than, than Georgia. Uh, they may not be able to dislodge, dislodge the Russians, but I think there's going to be uh, more war than, than many people would like to see. The only people that really economically have the ability to punish Putin is Europe. And the question is whether or not Germany will actually, um, you know, actually make make uh, their resolve known. You know, they said they would do they would not let them use uh, natural gas as a weapon, that they would uh, they weren't explicit about turning off Nord Stream 2. But we'll see what they do. If they do very little, I think it just emboldens Putin more. Senator, uh, that's obviously breaking right now. Major story with Ukraine. But I'm sure you read the New York Times had a story that is getting a lot of attention, finally getting around to covering the fact that the CDC is not releasing all of the data that they have relating to the COVID vaccine, relating to COVID overall. I'm sure you've read that piece. What was your reaction to it? What can we do to hold the CDC more accountable in terms of sharing this information, which is so necessary to allow us to have the best possible public policy? You know, I would describe it as dishonesty. They have a conclusion they've come to, and it's universal vaccination, and so they don't want to have anything that contradicts the narrative. And really, that's dishonesty. That's not science. That that truly is dishonesty. So part of the things they've been withholding is that the group 18-year-olds to 49-year-olds, basically a booster doesn't seem to help them at all, that they're fine without a booster. I think this is also true under 18 as well. But they just want universal vaccination. They don't want it two times. They want it three or four or five times. And by golly, the facts don't matter. And if the facts get in the way of what they want done, what their policy prescription is, they'll hide the facts. This is the same is true with previously infected people. So I'm unvaccinated but previously infected. 
they finally released something about three weeks ago that says that the chances of me going to the hospital are 55 times less than someone who hasn't had the disease, but also two and a half times less than someone who's been vaccinated but hasn't had the disease. So they've been dishonest about previous infections. They're being dishonest about boosters. And I think it leads to more hesitancy. You wonder why some people don't trust the government and think the vaccine might do all these bad things to them. It's because the government isn't honest. So they, they distrust the government even more because of this dishonesty. Speaking of Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky and Senator, that's just a follow up to what you're discussing there with the data, the numbers when it comes to covid natural immunity the protection that is given or not really given to those who are at low risk because it's so low that the protection they have is so low that it wouldn't even statistically show up. It seems now that we're at a place that the federal government under the Biden administration, as well as many state governments, have fired thousands of people, including medical personnel, including members of the military, law enforcement officers from their jobs when there was no scientific basis for those firings, as in those individuals, in many cases, if they had natural immunity, would have been safe or safer to be around than the vaccinated. And in other cases, they were at low risk and therefore no different in terms of the risk they posed the people around them because of their age. I mean, is it fair to say that these people were fired for no actual scientific reason, but for policy and political reasons? Without question. And see, I told the security team protecting President Trump early on that what they should do is put people around him. This was before the vaccine was available. I said, put people around him who have already recovered from the disease. Then you have a barrier to the disease. They'll be the best protection he can have. It's the same with hospitals and nurses. If they've already had the disease, they're actually better than someone who's been vaccinated. And to show you how grotesque this is, in the recent Omicron, we had so many doctors and nurses sick. They were sending them back to work while they were still shedding the virus and just saying, oh, wear a mask. Meanwhile, they had fired people who had immunity who weren't getting sick again, who could have been helping in this instance. But it's really about this impulse to authoritarianism. And it's in the medical establishment as well as the political establishment. But it's awful. I meet nurses every day around Kentucky and doctors who've been let go from their jobs, even though they've already had COVID, because they uh, didn't think it was wise to get vaccinated. Rant, uh, Senator Paul, what should happen in your mind going forward at this point? We know we got the State of the Union on March 1st. Buck and I are down in Florida right now. We continued the ridiculousness of having to put the Kabuki Theater masks on. We get on airplanes. So let, me, let me just ask you that directly. How do we end masking in both schools and airplanes as such a huge signifier of a lack of normalcy in our country? I know some kids are able to. Some kids are still not. And also do away with this absurd mandate for airports as well. First of all, realize the airlines lie to you every time you get on the plane. They get on the loudspeaker and they say, this is mandated by federal law. That is not true. Laws are passed by legislatures and signed by the president. The mask mandate came from the CDC, and the CDC has no power to tell you to wear a mask on a plane. They do not have that power. They were never given that power. The CDC also was the organization that said you don't have to pay your rent or your car payment if COVID's bothering you. And the courts have struck that down. So for the airline to say that, oh, this is a federal law, it's not a federal law. But I am putting forward, because it's a regulation that was put forward by the CDC, when I get back not this week, but next week, I'm going to force a vote on overturning that regulation by the CDC. It's a privileged vote, so it will happen. I think we'll get every Republican to vote for it. The question is, is one of the Democrats going to you know, realize how much the public hates these mandates and also doesn't believe that the, the masks work? Senator Paul, is it possible to reform the health bureaucracy at the federal level, at least in this country, so that we wouldn't see something like this again. I mean, what what is your uh, what is your desire going forward as a as a policymaker as well as a legislator, I should say, um, or both, to actually deal with the fact that the CDC has lost a lot and should have lost a lot of people's confidence over the course of this pandemic for what seem like obvious political reasons. Yeah, it's not just the CDC. It's 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 infiltrated all of the group think of hospitals and universities. And the most important thing that your listeners can do is if your loved one gets sick, don't just blindly go in there and say, oh, do whatever you think is best. 
ask the doctor questions, ask the doctor for alternatives, discuss the alternatives, read up on it yourself, because they're not being honest with us. And then the doctors are basing this on the information they're getting from the CDC. The one thing that Fauci could have said that would have saved tens of thousands of lives, and he's never said this, is the monoclonal antibodies work, but you have to get in soon. He's too busy with his head stuck in the sand saying, oh, everybody's got to be vaccinated. we got to grab your newborn and vaccinate them before they leave the hospital. Instead of saying, look, you might get sick if you've not been vaccinated. You're probably a little bit uh, less likely to go to the hospital if you've been vaccinated. But if you get sick with either one of them, you have to be treated in the first several days as you're getting sicker if you're at high risk, either through age or weight or other diseases. I never hear that from him. The only person that really prioritized this was a few Republican governors, namely uh, Ron DeSantis down in Florida, probably saved thousands of people's lives by making monoclonal antibodies very available. Senator Paul, what do you expect? You just mentioned Dr. Fauci. We've been arguing on this show, and I want to reiterate it as well. You need to give the Democrats a real whipping and hold them responsible in the House and the Senate. Uh, in the midterms coming up for what they have done and the failures they have uh, implemented. But what do you expect to see from Dr. Fauci as we get closer to the spring, summer? Do you expect him to retire? Do you think he's going to sit around and allow himself to remain a government employee with the House potentially and the Senate flipping back to Republican control? What's his game plan here? I don't know for certain, but I can't imagine that he'll stay through the election because the writing's on the wall that I believe Republicans will take either the House or the Senate or both. And I've already pledged that if I'm chairman of a committee after November, I will use every resource and leave no stone unturned to investigate where this virus came from. We'll interview the scientists who tried to cover it up. That includes Fauci, a lot of his colleagues, the email trails that are all redacted. You know, we're going to get to it. We will see every one of those emails and we're going to see all the words, not the redacted form. We're going to see what went on and why they chose to cover it up. Some of it we already know. Fauci and Collins went back and forth saying this will damage science. And, you know, we are science and it'll damage government and it'll damage people's belief in that government is doing the right thing. So they basically told us it didn't come from the lab and it had to come from nature because they didn't want to damage WHO, China, they didn't want to hurt the feelings of the Chinese scientists, and they didn't want us to know that they'd been funding this research in China. Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky. Senator, we always appreciate you, sir. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, guys. World events far beyond your control have a way of affecting our stock market and your savings plan. Just look today, market down a bunch. Why? Well, people are worried about what's going on in Ukraine. There's no protection for your hard-earned dollars in stocks or mutual funds. They can go to, well, Zero, as you know, that's not good, particularly when the markets are affected by circumstances far beyond your control. You can provide a form of protection for your savings account and your IRAs with the purchase of gold, real gold. I make my purchases of gold through a company called the Oxford Gold Group. They've made it so you and I can have real gold and silver delivered to your door. It's gold or silver you've purchased, and now you can take delivery easily. The same kind of thing can happen with your IRA or 401k. Why should you own real gold and silver? Well, gold and silver traditionally hold their value, especially when markets decline or fail. The Oxford Gold Group is offering gold and silver at the lowest prices on the market. The Oxford Gold Group will beat any competitor's price on gold, silver, platinum, and palladium. Call the Oxford Gold Group today to request your free precious metals investment guide by dialing pound 250 on your cell phone and speaking the keywords gold IRA. Call Oxford Gold. All you have to do right now, dial pound 250 and say the keywords gold IRA. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts 
of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Tomorrow, we will be with 45 himself, President Donald Trump from Mar-a-Lago. Today, we are in Palm Beach doing the show. President's Day, I know a lot of you are out and about. I was kind of blown away by how many people all over this area. Kind of makes sense, I guess. The weather's perfect down here. And so many have used President's Day as an excuse to get away for a few days. But, I mean, it was crowded. Lots of activity down here. I've never really noticed President's Day as being particularly that uh, buoyant where I live up in Nashville. But it was uh, super busy down here and remains so. So that should be awesome tomorrow. President Trump will be with us right off the start of the program. So uh, right at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. on the West Coast, make sure that you are dialed in and hanging out with us to be able to hear that conversation. But we went to break talking about the New York Times story on CDC data that's not being released. And I saw this over the weekend and absolutely loved it. So many parents, moms and dads, but particularly moms, have been willing to speak out against all of these mask mandates, which has become sort of the cultural flashpoint surrounding COVID more so than anything else. Because if you can remove masks from schools, every other restriction, it seems, crumbles around it. And this was Montgomery County, Virginia. A school board member goes into a fit when a mom says, hey, we need to do away with uh, with masks here in schools. And oh, by the way, I've got pictures. I got receipts of school board members who have been caught out in public without wearing masks. This is what it sounded like in Montgomery County, Virginia. Mom was ready. Miss Cass, you also yelled at me the last time I was here for taking off my mask. But here's a picture of you right here on Facebook with a crowd of people. That's it. With no mask on. Uh, this is my time and I don't interrupt you. Here's another picture with you with a no mask on. I'm sorry, Miss Vaught, you are done. If you are going to sit there and disparage a member of our school board, then you can sit down. Can we have a police officer, please? She should be able to say her piece. I've had to listen to people come and criticize me. People came here and they talked about your mask to your face. They showed pictures of your family. Yeah, they did worse. That's my family. That is all. Then fine. What do you think about our family? I am not. Our family is being suffocated today. I'm done. I think this is fantastic. How amazing is this? This is the best. First of all, you're seeing right away from the school board member the tyrannical Fauciite impulse with you be quiet. You let's get the police in here. This is over masking, right? I mean, yes. this is over such a It's a public right. forum. It's right. not like this woman just stormed. Did, if you did, watch the video, she's talking for her two or yeah. three minute window she here. She didn't show up in this woman's living room or something. She's not trespassing. She's speaking, but the school board member obviously doesn't like it. But mask hypocrisy. Look, one of the things that the, the Democrats did very early on is they really embraced 
the whole notion of wearing the mask as a virtue signal, right? I'm yes. a good person. I care about the community. And people can get addicted to that over, the to- over time. They can realize, oh, all I have to do is this, and I'm one of the good, smart. It's like saying, I believe in climate change. Like, you're one of the good, smart, nice people. You've done nothing. But that's what the masking was for a lot of people. And obviously, the school board member who doesn't mask up a lot, Clay, is one of them. Oh, she was phenomenal. And if you want to watch that video, it's out. Uh, You can find it at Clay Travis. But there have been so many what I would call heroes, parents who have been willing to stand up against this. And you saw how quickly so many of these school board members fold and or demand protection when their own hypocrisy is pointed out to them. I mean, the, the school board member posted these photos on Facebook, it's not as if you know the the woman did some sort of uh, the deep dive in to get secret photos. She was saying, "How dare you share these?" I mean, it's the very essence of what we have seen. Every major, it feels like, Democratic politician who is most committed to masks has been caught flagrantly violating their own prohibitions. Thinking about splurging on yourself for some of the most comfortable gear you can wear? Well, one of the great discoveries Clay and I have made this past year was Tommy John. Whether it's their loungewear, their t-shirts, their hoodies, or their underwear, when you're wearing Tommy John, you're that much more comfortable so you can do everything better. With dozens of comfort innovations, once you've tried Tommy John underwear, you're never going back. Here's one example for the guys in this audience, the Tommy John hammock pouch underwear. The fabric itself is moisture wicking with four times the stretch of competing brands. Plus, they design it so the legs never ride up. The waistband is non-rolling, the perfect fit. Look, shipping and returns are free because every pair is backed by Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or it's free guarantee. Get 20% off your first order right now at TommyJohn.com slash buck. That's TommyJohn.com slash buck for 20% off. Tommy John, T-O-M-M-Y, TommyJohn.com slash buck. See site for details. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kiwi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.